that I am the Lord. People of God, we, we come together this morning as, as a people, and we are, we are thinking of Christmas is coming, and I have an invitation here. Harriet held up a little invitation that the kids could share. I have an invitation here that people, I want to pass it around, and that you take one and hold on to it, and then we'll be talking about sharing also this invitation with people as we come to our Christmas, our Christmas events here. And so there's a nice picture on the front, and then all of the Christmas services... Oh, all of the Christmas services are on the back. And so hold on to that, and you will be uh, asked to invite someone uh, towards the end of the service. So we are already here at, at Christmas time. Barb and I hung up the Christmas lights yesterday on the house. Do you have your Christmas lights up? Before the snow flies, make sure you get them up. But Christmas is, of course, our time of celebration, and we want to think about this uh, morning using this Christmas invitation as a way of living out our faith. I wanted to begin just by reminding you in relation to what we've been looking at over the past number of months, we started by thinking about uh, our theme for the year, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And then, definitely, that's what we want to do as followers of Jesus. Then we began by looking at Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel, it's very first person. Ezekiel is living this out. He is saying this statement every day. That's part of his daily routine. He wants to love the Lord with all his heart, all his soul, all his strength, with the exiles in Babylon. And so he, he is working that out. And in the book of Ezekiel, it's, it's I did this and I did that. And, I, and so we too learn how to live that out along with Ezekiel. And so we, we let the word of God speak into our lives uh, through through Ezekiel, and the goal, the goal is this statement, then you, yourself, Ezekiel, then you and I personally will know more and more who God is for us, and then through us, then they, they will know that I am the Lord. We will be a witness to others. And so in Ezekiel, there's many times it says, uh, God says to Ezekiel, then you will know, and then other times, then when you do or say things, then they will know. And so we want to be that kind of instrument as well, that, that God would speak to us and God would speak through us to others. And so we looked, we looked initially at that vision of chapter 1, the, the wheels and the cherubim and, and the eyes in the wheels and a great vision of who God is. And we have a similar vision, a different vision, but similar in the sense of the greatness of God in Jesus Christ. That's our central vision. God is great. God is amazing, the one who saves us in Jesus, who comes at Christmas. 
And so we have that, that central vision in our lives. And then we know, as we engage that more and more, then we know that Jesus is our Lord. Then in, in Ezekiel 3, we looked at how Ezekiel speaks about who God is. And so we were challenged, too, to speak out into the lives of those around us that Jesus is Lord, that we know that and that those around us would come to know the Lord. And then Ezekiel 4 and 5, where Ezekiel acts out, where he has this model he makes and where he lays on his left side and on his right side. And and in his actions, everyone can tell he's a follower of the Lord. And so we want to act also out our faith in the community, in our families, that people come to know that we are followers of the Lord and that he wants to be the Lord of their lives. So we are using Ezekiel as an excellent example of how we are to live out the call of God on our lives, to love him with all our heart, soul, and strength. So to have that clear vision of who Jesus is, to be ready to speak about that and and to live that out. Now this morning, there's one more reason, there's one more thing that we learn from Ezekiel. We jump from Ezekiel 4 and 5 to Ezekiel 37. And you might ask too, why why do we suddenly go to Ezekiel 37? In between, there's lots of things that that we could definitely benefit from, and, and you are welcome to read through that, all kinds of things. It could be grouped as examples, Ezekiel 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 20. Ezekiel is speaking in different ways to the people, and he is acting out different things again. He is speaking words of faith, uh, prophetic words. He He is continuing to say what God wants him to say. He's continuing to do things that get people's attention. At one point, he is, he is digging through a wall. He is banging a hole in a wall and, and crawling through and, and taking, taking his belongings with him. And people are watching what he's doing and thinking, why is he doing that? And so in his words, in his actions, he is continuing to minister so that people would come to know Jesus is Lord, or that God in his context, that that the God of Israel, the true God, is the God they need to serve and obey. So the the general application of that is that people know that, that he is a follower of God. So the application for us would be, does everyone around you know you are a believer of God, follower of Jesus? Is it obvious in what you say and do? So we've talked about that. We've thought about that. We, we want to live that out. And I think for, for many of us too, that's, that's definitely what, what we feel. God's call on our life. We try to do that. Now the next thing, the next thing that, that we see in Ezekiel is, is the reality that it's hard. And we jump to Ezekiel 37 because, because it's, it's hard to, to keep going this way. It's hard when, when sometimes you're ridiculed. 
It's hard. Ezekiel was ridiculed at times. He was mocked for doing the things he did. And he, he, even the things he said, people didn't respond. He spoke to them from chapter 5 through to chapter 37. He explained to them clearly over and over what could be and should be done. And he didn't get a lot of response. And so, so by chapter 37, he's done this. He's lived this way. He's been obedient. He's tried to do his very best as a prophet of God. And he's tired of it. He's tired of it. What's the use? You try to do your best. You try to speak what's right. You, you, I, we're not perfect, and, and, but it's, it's just not a lot of response. There's not, not... And so we may be at that point at times too. We've, we've done things, we've tried things, we've said things... We've had efforts to be a faithful witness uh, and there's a little response from those around us. That's, that's where we are here. And the, and the question is, why keep going? Why keep trying? Why keep speaking and acting? And the reason is Ezekiel 37. That's the reason. Ezekiel 37 is a vision again, a powerful vision for Ezekiel and for us all, and it's a vision of the great need of the people around us. And we need to have our hearts filled with God's love for the lost, for the unsaved, for those who are dead in sin. Because here, here they are. The need is great. Our effort must continue to have them come to know that Jesus is Lord. Otherwise, the result is that this this truly shocking vision, this vision of the valley of dry bones, this is a small, small sample, that this vision will be a reality. This vision is, is so striking. It's the most well-known of the entire book of Ezekiel. It's an extremely stark picture of, of a godless world, of people without God. What will happen to them if they don't know the Lord, if they don't come to know Jesus? Then they will die in their sin. And how many, 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 many. In Ezekiel's day, many people did not know God. In our days, many people don't know Jesus. And it's not that they're all just fine not knowing Jesus. It's not that, oh, well, they'll just be okay and everything will be good with them. No. They will be lost. They are dead in sin and will be lost eternally apart from the call of God on their lives. And God wants us to be the witness that they would come to know Jesus as Lord. Because if they don't, the result is devastating. 
dead, dry, lost. So what we have here in Ezekiel 37, we have a a vision again. We had that that first vision of, of the greatness of God, Ezekiel 1. This is the vision of the great need to share the gospel. We had in Ezekiel 3, Ezekiel speaking, and here again in Ezekiel 37, God says to Ezekiel, speak to those bones. Continue to speak. Though though you're frustrated, though it it looks pretty much like this is, is pointless exercise. And continue to act. Continue to act. It says specifically in Ezekiel 37, uh, verse 2, walk back and forth through that valley. Now, now the picture here isn't like this. This valley is, is knee deep, waist deep. It's over your head in bones. Ezekiel is stepping on and crawling over bones. It's full of bones. There is such a great need. And he is is asked to to engage again. And for him as a priest, you have to realize, initially too, Ezekiel is a priest. You don't touch dead bones. They make you unclean. You may not touch them. You should not touch them. And sometimes sometimes we have a similar sense too. We don't want to talk to people uh, who, who are not... Uh, Christian, uh, they're, they're sinners. We don't want to talk to them. We don't want to touch them. Ezekiel, very much just at a, at a basic level as a priest, you don't touch those bones. God said, act, touch, engage. To love God with all our heart, soul, and strength is to minister to a lost world. Now, there are three powerful truths in this vision for us. I need you to see these three. The first one is the sense of caring. Do you care? The vision is of human bones lying on the ground. What do we normally do when someone dies? We, We, very caring, very loving, we bury them. We don't leave their bones laying on the ground. Here, the bones are laying on the surface of the ground. And it's not, it's not a picture of, of, of like a, a battle where... Even, even if it was a battle and, and there were many slain, they would still be buried. But here, no one's buried. No one cared enough to bury these people. It's a lack of care. It's a lack of, of care. Normal, we would bury people. But there, there is, is no one has been cared for here. No one cared that they died. No one cared enough to bury them. That's really the, the horror of this picture. It's, it's the amount... Absolutely. But that, that no one cared for these people. People who are image bearers of God. People who are known and loved by God. 
people who God does care about, are just left to rot in the open. So uh, along with the shock that there are so many, there's a more shocking that there is no one who cared. People of Bethel all around us are people who don't know the Lord Jesus. All around us here in this very community are people dying and dead in sin. There is no life in them. There is no faith. There is no knowledge of God. There is no knowledge of Jesus. Do we care? That's the first question. Do we even care? We need to care again. The love for God with all our heart, soul, and strength means loving our neighbor. Love for those around us. For those who do not know the Lord. So that's where the vision begins. That's where we need to be as well. God cares. We need to care. The second thing, well, we're not sure we can actually help. Can we actually help? Sure, there are people, but can we actually do anything? We might have tried. God asks Ezekiel here, can these bones live? And his response, his response is really, I don't think so. His response is, I can't really help. I can't really do anything about these people. Can we actually make any difference with our words or our actions? Ezekiel's not sure. His response, though, is very good, a very good response of faith. He says, God, God, you are the sovereign God. He says, sovereign God. You know all things. You can do all things. But I, I really am not sure. I'm not sure. He's trying to be faithful, but he's not sure. So the third thing out of, out of the vision is God can do it. And so along with, with renewing our sense of care is to, to speak and to act with the confidence that God can do great things. God can restore life. And, and we see that in the vision, and then we, we see it also in the ministry of Jesus, who is our, our central hope. As Jesus walked back and forth on this earth, as Jesus engaged uh, people, he, he, was, he was walking uh, among those dead in sin. And, and you remember what happened? Jesus, Jesus was walking along, and, and he was thirsty, and he sat down, and a Samaritan woman in John 4 came and and he spoke to her. But the Samaritans are enemies. They're evil. Let them rot. I'm not going to bury them. Jesus spoke to her. Samaritan. Wow. She's a woman too. He shouldn't speak to her at all. He speaks to her. He acts. He, he offers her the water of life. He gives her the water of life. Wow, what an action. He shares the gospel with her. He says, I'm the Savior. But that's not going to do anything, right? There's no, 
She's dead in sin. She's just a pile of bones. But what does she do? She, she stands up. She, she runs back to the village. She gets people to come. What's happening? There's no way. Disciples are thinking too. This is not going to work. It works because God is at work. And later on, Jesus, Jesus is making his way into Jericho. And in Jericho, there is Zacchaeus, a hated, evil tax collector. If he dies, nobody's burying him because he is just the worst of the worst. Jesus speaks to one person in Jericho, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, come out of that tree. And Jesus acts to one person. I need to go to your house today. I'm joining you for supper. And Zacchaeus, a pile of bones, dead and dry, he stands up and he says, I'm going to pay back four times this greedy, no good for nothing, who none of us should talk to. Jesus should never talk to him because he is, he is worthless. Nothing can happen. He stands up with flesh and bone and spirit and says, I will serve the Lord. These things happen. Just one more example in Romans 7. Someone who knew themselves to be nothing, nothing but a pile of bones. Paul says about himself, I am the worst of sinners. I'm the very verse. You go through the whole valley, you dig through all those bones, the driest, the deadest are my bones. And Jesus speaks to him on the road to Damascus and says, Saul, very, very loving, very, why are you persecuting me? And Saul has been killing Christians and, and attacking the church. And, and if anybody, no churchgoer, no Christian, would, would study, would spit on his body. They would not bury him. We got no honor or respect at all for that guy. Jesus speaks to him, and he becomes Paul, the builder of faith and the builder of the church. The dead become alive. And to see that, to recognize what God can do, can these bones live? Yes. From Ezekiel in the Old Testament to the disciples and the apostles in the New Testament, we are called to have that confidence as we go out, as we seek to speak and to live and to act into the lives of people around us. So the question is, who does God want you to speak to today and this week? And, and Christmas is coming. And our theme this year is Come Home for Christmas. And so you have a handout, just a very, a very ordinary handout, very simple uh, picture of, of our, our basically just a, a little inviting scene, a home, and that, that you could share that with someone that you could invite someone
to come. Maybe someone in the family, the extended family, who hasn't really responded to faith. Say, hey, I'd like you to come. Someone in the community, a neighbor on the street, or a friend at work. Come share Christmas. No, why why would you do that? Because you know they won't come. Or will they? God can draw them in. We have we have a whole a whole lot of uh, detail on here. Uh, maybe maybe too much. So if you if you give this to somebody, if you say, "Hey, our church is is having a nice uh, Christmas uh, series of services, uh, coming home for Christmas. Uh, why don't you come?" And they would look at it and say, "Yeah, that's that's almost too much, right?" But but the thought is that that you would you would even point out to them, yeah, December 13, we have the children's program. That's, that's going to be great. Just talk it through with them. And at 7 o'clock on December 13, we have the Blue Christmas, remembering our loved ones who are no longer with us. So we'll have a special time. We haven't done that before, but we'll, we'll have a special time in the evening just to remember loved ones that we miss, especially at Christmas. And so you can invite people who've lost loved ones. They come join us. And we'll just seek the love of God and his care. And, and we have the candlelight service uh, in our church, beautiful, on the evening of December 20, uh, to especially point that out to people. Uh, the Christmas Eve service at the Memorial Center, uh, Wolf Creek Community Church is uh, officially in charge, but uh, we are, yeah, part two to invite and to go. I know some people go, and it's just a very nice. And then Christmas Day, followed by our Christmas dinner at the LMC. There is an opportunity to invite Will you invite someone? Do you have someone in mind? And even if you give this to them uh, in the next week or two, you can even phone them again and remind them. Say, hey, remember that invitation I gave you? The kids' program is this Sunday. What if I pick you up? What if you come over for lunch afterwards? That there is a is a speaking, an acting, a caring. You need to come and know the Lord. He loves you, and he wants to welcome you home. This is, this is the challenge for us again, as it was for Ezekiel, that we would, we would have a, a caring heart to do that, that we would have a heart of faith that would trust, that God will bless, God will bring, people life to himself, people to himself. Let's pray together.